This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense is powered by Sun Life Malaysia. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Today, we find out the investment lessons that we could have learned last year, which then can help us invest better in the year ahead. Joining me to discuss this is Lim Mei Ching, a former fund manager and author of the book, Be Your Own Fund Manager. Hi, Mei Ching. I hope uh, 2024 has been pretty good to you so far. And I do want to actually, you know, come out and say that, that Mei Ching, you and I were colleagues once upon a time. So I uh, better put a declaration out there. Uh, but let me start by asking you, every year, we say that markets are challenging. But I think the last few years has really taken our breaths away with the speed in which trades happen. You've got algo trading, how fast news reaches our inboxes, our phones. So how do we overcome, especially if you are new to markets, how do we overcome this fear and not get intimidated by markets and still want to invest? Um, I totally agree with you, Xiaoning. Uh, AI really has an impact on the market. So I guess instead of being afraid of AI, we should actually use AI. Uh, I want to recommend some uh, free apps uh, that's available for retailers, such as Musa Marketplace, Chaos Screener. You can actually use this app and also use your own human uh, inputs together with the AI so that you will be able to find a fundamentally strong uh, counters uh, with um, good criteria, set of criteria, and also use incorporate technical analysis in order to improve your stock selection. Um, that's why I always advocate people to combine both fundamental analysis and technical analysis under the concept of FATA. Uh, in Chinese, is prosperous, but... Which like we all want to be. Sorry? Which all of us would like to be. Yeah, but I would like to put a disclaimer. It doesn't mean that you apply FATA, fundamental analysis, combined with technical analysis, you will, be, you will be able to generate return. It doesn't guarantee you a return. So it will just, in a way, increase your potential upside and it will also reduce your downside risk. Yeah, because yeah. here in the ring and sense, we never promise any, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of investment returns, it's always a, there's always some risk to investing food stock. But for, for you, Mei Ching, clearly it seems that arming yourself with information is the number one uh, way of overcoming anyone's uh, fear of investing in markets. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah in a way, yeah, it is true, correct, Shaolin. And so what were your lessons from investing in 2023? In 2023, it was a very challenging market. Uh, just to recap, uh, FBM KLCI was down by more than 2%. But then again, it doesn't mean that Malaysia is a bad place for investment. If investors have actually invested in the right sector, of course, at the benefit of the hindsight, um, some of the sectors that did pretty well last year actually were like uh, property, uh, utilities, and uh, construction. Mm. Uh, uh, both these these uh, sectors were up more than twenty percent. So actually, if investors were right in their stock picking in the right sector at the right time, they would still be able to generate good uh good level of um, commendable return last year. But that's a and challenge, how, isn't it? How do we know what to buy at the right time? Easier said uh, than done. So, um, of course, in office in the asset management, you can have a Bloomberg terminal, so you can. Track, you can track the indexes for certain sectors, uh, whether it's utility, whether it's property, whether it's finance. But what if as a retailer, I do not have the 
uh, information for the sector. Uh, you can also use KLSE screener. I saw that they also have indices uh, for different sectors. And from there, you can analyze the technical charts for all these sectors and see whether is it uptrend or downtrend. So in a way, technical analysis is quite important, not just for stock selection, but also to identify which sector is on the bullish trend and mm. which sector is on the bearish trend. And uh, you also can use um, Busa Marketplace, which is also a free app, to identify some of the stocks that uh, fulfill certain criteria. For instance, um, maybe low valuation, uh, low gearing, um, good good cash flow. Yeah, so you can actually input some of this, uh, uh, what you call that, stock screener selection. It doesn't mean that whatever that has been selected would be a buy. What I'm trying to say is that it probably gives you some idea mm. of what uh, what you call that, what stocks that you can look into. Basically, it's like a top-down approach whereby from the macro factor, you look at the sector and then you zoom down to specific uh, stocks that you want to look at. Okay, so let's talk about one sector in specific to to understand the mechanics of this. So like you say, it's a top-down, right? So I suppose the, the first piece of news, uh, I'll pick a property, for example. So okay. the first piece of news is probably, oh, they're looking at creating a special economic zone in Johor. So you know, oh, well, who are the automatic sector winners? And that probably is construction, property, building materials. Those are the obvious, right? And then once you've identified the sector, then you use the tools that you've just mentioned to then screen which of the companies meet the criteria which is important to you. It could be cheap valuations. It could also be dividend payers. You want to look at maybe companies that generate positive cash flow, don't have high debt. That's the process that goes through your mind, isn't it? Before yeah. selecting the stocks. Yes. Okay. But then no portfolio is also without its losers. You and I have all picked our fair share of duds over the last, what, 10, 15 years. So how do we avoid this? Have we learned? I I sometimes never still can't learn my lessons, but maybe you can guide me better. How do I avoid this? Uh, Remember in those days, we have this cut-loss policy, like 25%. So whether we like it or not, compliance officer will come after us to... uh, Make sure that we do something on it. Yeah, but if you're a retailer, who's the compliance officer? Your bank account? I mean, uh, so that's why it has to be self-imposed discipline. Meaning that you do not let allow it to drop more than mm. 25%. So why 25% is number? Well, it's basically one quarter of 100%. And um, of course, you can cut loss be- even before this threshold is being hit. Assuming that you do not see any further upside potential. And um, why is it important is that it limits your losses. Mm. Basically, when you cut loss, you are like buying an insurance for your portfolio and you can use that money that is left over to invest in other stocks that have better upside potential, right? Yeah. So it's a form of discipline and whereby you then know you at the, at the worst case scenario, you have lost at maximum 20, 25% of whatever you've invested. And like you say, you know, if you don't cut loss and you continue to ride this stock all the way down, that loss could be as much as completely 100%, which is far worse, right? And at yeah. the same time, there's also the opportunity cost of money that you've foregone. I think that's the other point. But it sounds like investing needs to be somewhat still very disciplined. Yeah. How do you maintain that discipline when, when you're on your own though? Yes, I think... I. That's very important. That's why to be disciplined, that the 25%. But then I'm saying again, um, if you cannot have that discipline to cut loss, then 
probably my advice is not to invest in stocks. Mm. It's not investing in stock is not a guaranteed return. It doesn't mean that I invest in stock, I will definitely make a good level of income. If you are too um emotional, you, you control your emotion, mm. then uh, might as well leave it to the external fund managers who have the expertise and qual uh, and also the experience to manage your your fund. Yeah. Uh, and let's go back to this concept of yours, FATA. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, could you d- give us a little bit more of uh, examples on how useful it could be? The- it is that wonderful combination of looking at fundamental analysis, I'm, which I'm a big fan of. But the part where I always question about is technical analysis. Some people say it's the equivalent of reading tea leaves in a cup. How do we not? I mean, is my perception wrong? You know, correct me, please. Uh, there's no right or wrong, actually. Uh- I'm not against fundamental analysis. Fundamental is very important. If you ask me between fundamental and technical analysis, I always think that fundamental analysis overrides technical analysis. But then again, we use technical analysis to enhance your risk management because some fundamentally strong counters can be fundamentally undervalued for a long period of time if there is no uh, bias. If, there's, if the bias is not in control or the sellers is in control. So basically, by incorporating technical analysis, you're also incorporating the psychology aspect of investing. As we all know, it's not just merely about valuation, whether it's cheap or whether it's worth. Some, some counters, even they are so good, but if nobody noticed them and there's no interest in them, and if there's a huge selling pressure, so why do you want to go against trend and mm. buy something that it may go up, but not now. So I'm not saying that it's immediate, even if you technical analysis, but at least it reduces your risk. Okay, so maybe it's not the guide in terms of what you buy, but perhaps a better gauge in terms of when to buy or sell something. Yes. On Ring in Sense, this morning I've been speaking to Lim Meiching, former fund manager and author of Be Your Own Fund Manager on how to make better investments in 2024. We'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Stay tuned for Ringgit and Cents, powered by Sun Life Malaysia. BFM 89.9, welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents. I'm Wong Shaoning. Today, we're discussing investment ideas and themes and how to do better for 2024. Joining me to discuss this is Lim Meiching, a former fund manager and author of Be Your Own Fund Manager. Meiching, I want to talk about themes. Are you a big believer in that? I mean, we read all these sell-side reports every year that come out in December and January and they say, you know, these are the four or five investment themes that you should consider. Do themes make a difference? I mean, does it just encourage churn? Uh, true, themes does make a difference. But then again, I think it's not, I think it's advisable to read widely, not just uh, follow a few of them because mm-hmm. I think what we really learned last year is that no one can make an exact prediction of the market. For instance, that last year, I think um, towards the, month end of December, there were market expectation of a window dressing, but it didn't really happen. And it happened like now. You see? Yeah. So who would have expected it, right? There so, hasn't been market window, there hasn't been window dressing in a few years. Yeah, yeah. so so it has taught us that uh, no one can time the market that well, you know. So um, I still believe in teams, but uh, just be careful and uh, read widely and do your own research. And, you know, the winners among the asset classes keeps rotating, which is, of course, part of the whole concept of markets. There, There is always a correlation between one asset class and another, although there are some years where 
bonds and equities rally at the same time. And then in I think in 2022, bonds and equities also fell at the same time. So how do we actually ensure that we have the right asset allocation to achieve effective diversification? Because I think equities, to be to be certain, to be sure, is probably easier to participate. But for fixed income, for a retailer, does it mean always at the end of the day, looking at it from a fund perspective? Because, you know, when you want to buy a bond, usually it's in... It, the tranches are at least like 5 million ringgit. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the corporate bond is about 5 million and the MGS is about like 10 million. So not many retailers can afford. So I believe a balanced fund would be a good approach. Mm. A balanced fund would be a mixture between equity and fixed income. So depending on the 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 ratio, I think there are a lot of funds out there that have, they actually specify the ratio in the investment mandate. So according to the risk appetite of the investor, then they can yeah, they can look for, scout out for the fund that would be more suitable for their risk profile. And are you a big believer in diversification? Can you do it as a retailer? Because as an institutional fund manager, yeah, we're always given guidance, right? You need to buy at least maybe 20 to 30 stocks to ensure a certain amount of diversification. But if you're an individual, how do you achieve that? Uh, depend on your fund size, but even if you have like 20,000, it's still possible. You can have 20 stocks, each is about plus minus 1,000. Mm. And for 20 stocks, plus minus 1,000 is about 5% per stock basis. So it's still possible. Yeah. Of course, if you think that is uh, 20,000 is a too high of a capital for investment and you want to invest like 1,000, maybe buying some unit trust, which is more well diversified, would also be an option. And how do you, let's say you decided, okay, I'm going to buy those 20 stocks. Is monitoring going to be a problem for a retailer though? Because you need to keep track of things or should you not? Should you really believe in the mantra that you're buying for the long term and not look at it on a daily basis and sometimes that might give you a heart attack? Um, if you do not have the time, then I guess it would be better to buy a unit trust. Um, but if you have the time and you like the excitement of the up and down, then I guess, why not? <laughs> but of course you have to have strict uh, the uh, cut loss policy and and well diversified. So how do you choose what you want to invest? Well, I think diversification is not just on stock basis, but but also diversification in terms of sector allocation. Meaning that if you believe this sector will perform well, like say this year or next year, then you may want to allocate more or what we say overweight on that mm. particular sector and underweight on a particular sector which you think is less promising. Okay. What about geographies? I mean, increasingly, we know more Malaysians invest overseas. How do you achieve that if you're a retailer though? Um, geographically, um, like just about, um, I think Malaysia this year is still quite an attractive market. Um, if you look at Dow Jones, um, the market PE is about 20 over times. Uh, Malaysia is about forward PE is about 13 times. And historically, uh, Malaysia used to trade about 17 over times. So I still believe that there's upside potential from where we are heading right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, dividend-wise, uh, it's still quite commendable. Uh, and also, there's a lot of positive catalysts going on that would drive the market higher. And and assuming that we can stay above 1,500 psychological level, that would be uh, quite... Uh, I wouldn't say bullish, but more uh, stable in terms of for the market. Yeah. But let's say you still want to participate in the, let's say, uh, Japan, which has done really well last year. And I think even on a year-to-date basis so far, it's done pretty well. Would 
Aside from buying a, a fund, would a listed ETF exchange traded fund be another option because it's cheaper entry? So to yes. achieve the geographical diversification if you wanted it? Yes, I think it's, it's possible to buy ETF because it tracks the index because we may not have the expertise to invest in the individual stocks and may not have the necessary new slow that we are getting from a domestic point of view. Yeah. So yes, it's one of the way that we could invest in ETF. But uh, frankly, I think Malaysia is still, although it has been doing badly for the, not, not so well for the past few years, but I be, I'm still believe in Malaysia. There's a lot of catalysts driving the market. And in fact, the past the past, past few weeks, we are probably one of the best performing market in the region. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, we are after Japan and Philippines. Meijing, okay, we talked about cutting loss. When do we take profit? Well, that's a very good question. When do we take profits? That's why it's important to find out uh, what is the fair value, target price, or the intrinsic value of a stock before even investing. Is the share price below the intrinsic value? Then we buy. And if the gap between the intrinsic value and the share price is higher, then there's probably more upside potential. So, in uh, research reports, you can see a lot of target prices. Mm. Uh, these are called intrinsic value. So basically, um, it, it don't, we don't expect a quick return by investing a stock or tomorrow you go up, that kind of thing. It's usually the intrinsic value is like one year ahead, that kind of thing. So, uh, and you look at research target prices, they have many, many research reports, different research houses giving you different target prices, so you'd be very confused. So, um, yeah, you have to do your own research. Um to find out your own intrinsic value because it's a very subjective matter, to be very frank. And how to find out, you have to um, study your cash flow, your profit loss, profit and loss, and your balance sheet of the companies involved. And on a technical basis, we can also look at charts. Uh, where is it? Um, is it at the is the trend uptrend? Uptrend meaning uh, higher high, higher lows, or is it downtrend, which is lower lows and lower highs? Mm. So. Then again, I would like to emphasize to combine both fundamental and technical analysis to enhance your decision whether you should uh, invest in this particular stock per se. Okay, what about cryptocurrencies? Are um, you a believer? Are you a crypto bull, Meiqing? Especially now we, we can buy Bitcoin ETFs. Um, yes, I think there's a growing acceptance of cryptocurrency whether among financial institutions and regulators due to the ETF for cryptocurrencies. And if actually the past few months, crypto did pretty well. But if you ask me whether I like crypto, I, I'm still not a fan of crypto. Um, why? Because uh, there's not much of intrinsic value in a cryptocurrency. That is not backed by a physical asset or, a, or basically it's not a business like what you see in listed companies. And that actually listed companies actually produce goods and services for the general public. Yeah, you can Another almost thing is that, quantify uh, the earnings, right? How do you quant- there are no earnings when it comes to Bitcoin? Yeah, how how do you even do your track record? Uh, how do you analyze your whatever earnings per share or PE or whatever you can, you know? So how how do you actually it's very highly speculative. But then again, I wouldn't say that you can't make money from crypto. There are a lot of people who make money from crypto. I'm not against crypto, but just be careful that if you can Take the volatility, that is fine. But if you can't, then, and if you are more risk adverse like myself, then I guess investing in stock in real business, in real asset class, 
could be a better option. Okay, one final question for me, Mei Ching, and this is an observation from what we just said. Investing is not easy, for sure. Many things to consider, real money that can be lost. But I also want to end on a word of encouragement. Does investing get easier over time if you oh, just definitely. keep at it? Definitely, especially after the lockdown. You realise there's a lot of uh, news flow and a lot of free uh, seminars online. Even a lot of brokers have started to give free seminars. So I think investing has become more... The, the investors are more informed than before. And uh, there's a lot of telegram. I'm not saying to believe whatever news flow out there, but the, the, uh, the information flow that is out in the public is actually more than before. It's more easier to obtain information than before. And I would like to promote Busa Academy too. I think they have a lot of free courses on investing. So uh, if you want to learn more investing on a free basis, I think log into Busa Academy and you'll be able to uh, find some free courses for investing. That's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Lim Mei Ching, a former fund manager and author of Be Your Own Fund Manager. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10am News Bulletin coming up next, followed by my colleagues at Enterprise. I'm Wong Shaoning from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense was powered by Sun Life Malaysia. Insure to ensure today. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.